0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. The Lord
1: be with you. Also with you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Tara Wolf, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement here at King of Glory, and it's my pleasure to see you here this morning uh, for a special presentation um, from Ambassadors of Reconciliation. This is Ted Kober. He will be leading our study this morning, and we will also have another study next week about what Jesus means when he says to love your enemies. Uh, So I think sometimes that sounds easy, and it's not really. Uh, So uh, Ambassadors of Reconciliation is a wonderful organization that we have partnered with uh, in the past. Our Southeastern District uh, has sent um, circuit pastors and circuit visitors to training with ambassadors of reconciliation a couple years ago in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think we finally figured out that was the place. Gets a little confusing uh, after so many trainings, of course. And um, this week, we are actually hosting that same training for our district again. Uh, and I also have, as many of you know, I'm a reconciler with our district, and so I've had uh, extra time training with Ted and the folks at Ambassadors of Reconciliation. And Ted, I'll turn it over to you to open us in prayer, and also if you want to introduce your colleagues. Right. That would be great. Very good. Thanks.
2: Um, we are delighted to be here. Ambassadors of Reconciliation is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Uh, our mission is equipping Christians, like yourselves, for Cultivating Lifestyles of Reconciliation. It means to live your life every day as a reconciled child of God. And uh, uh, with me uh, today are, are three of my colleagues. Uh, in, in the corner is Annette Friesen. Uh, she works with me in Billings, Montana, as well as Dwight Chetler, who is the president of Ambassadors of Reconciliation. And Julie Workcamp works in our counseling center in Seymour, Indiana. So they are here with me today. And beginning tomorrow, we'll be doing our training, and we're just going to take over your facility for the next seven days. So uh, we very much appreciate you hosting us for that. Uh, Let's take a a moment to uh, open in prayer. Good morning, Lord. It's good for us to be here in your house to look at your word and what you have done to reconcile us to you, where you then call us to be reconciled to one another. So... You promise to be with us. Keep us aware of your presence with us as we look at your word, especially as we apply it to family confession and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Is there somebody that still needs a a handout? We have two handouts. Okay. Great. You Anybody else need a handout? When... I'm going to begin by asking a question. What what are some common responses that people have to conflict? Run. Yeah, that's one. What's another common response? (laughs) Anger. Anger, Anger. yeah. What's another one? Frustration. Frustration. Ignoring. (coughs) What's another one? Fight. 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 Yeah. Various different ways to fight. You know, Bob and Carol had been married for 20 years. And they were looking forward to their niece's wedding. But about a month before the big event, they had this huge fight. And they stopped talking to one another. They lived in the same house. They ate at the same table. But they refused to speak to one another. Well, finally, the day of the big event arrived. Carol had bought a beautiful new gown for the occasion, but it had a zipper that went up the back, and she couldn't reach it all the
3: way. So
2: she goes to her husband, Bob, and does this. <laughs> <laughs> Bob ignores her, pretends he doesn't see, so she comes around, gets into his face, she gives him the look, and does this. So Bob gets behind his wife, he takes that zipper, he goes up and down, and he tears the new gown. Oh. Carol is furious, but she doesn't say a word. She just goes to the closet, puts on some old thing, and they go to the wedding together in silence. Well, that night, they came home, still not speaking to one another, went to bed. And the next morning, Carol got up early to run to the store to pick up a few things, and when she came home, she saw her husband's car parked on the driveway and the lower half of a man sticking out from underneath it. So as she went by, she could not resist. She leaned over to his pants on the zipper went zit, 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 like this. Walked into the house and there standing next to the fridge was Bob, her husband. <laughs> the silence is broken. <laughs> Who's out under your car? Well, it's Phil from next door. Why?
3: <laughs> ran right out to the
2: driveway and poor Phil lay unconscious on the concrete. You see, some people don't know how to stop fighting until someone else gets hurt. But even then, some people don't know how to stop fighting. Of course, we know that good Christians never fight, right? Or do we? The truth is, as sinners, we do fight. And when we do, relationships are broken, careers and ministries suffer, and our witness to Christ, the peacemaker, is greatly diminished. So instead of those worldly responses, let's look at some scriptures as a different way to respond to conflict. And they're listed there on your handout. Uh, 1 John will have uh, different people look up different ones. 1 John 1, 1.8, Ephesians 4, 25-26. 1 John 1.10, 1 John 1, 1.9, James 5.16, and Ephesians 4.32. So if um, someone would look up each of those... Uh, and does someone have First John 1, 8? Yeah. Oh, please read for us.
4: If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Thank
2: you. See, that's that part where we ignore that what we've done is wrong, but uh, our God says "Then the truth is not in us. And who has Ephesians 4, 25 through 26?
4: Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sing. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry.
2: Thank you. And read just the next verse, too, if you want. And would, do please.
4: not give the devil a foothold. Mm-hmm.
2: Some of you said that uh, when we get into conflict, anger might be a result. And uh, uh, that is very natural to us. Actually, Pastor Servants Day... Get on that a little bit if you were in early service mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I won't give a spoiler alert on what else he had to say about that but the scriptures warn us that if you go to bed and, and you're still angry you give the devil a foothold if you hang on to that anger mm-hmm. um, 1 John 1 verse 10 I've got it okay. if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us thank you Again, another another place where if we just try to deny what we've done is wrong, we just ignore our sin. Uh, we make God up to be a liar. How about First um, uh, John one nine, which is a different way to deal with it? I have if, no
5: idea.
3: Oh, okay.
1: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
2: That's great news, isn't it? So if we're honest about our sin, we can come to our God as the prodigal son did, and knowing that our Father will be there to forgive us. And what about James 5.16?
6: Please. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working.
2: God calls us that when we sin against one another to come together to confess and to forgive one another. Uh, But sometimes we don't do that even within the family. And that's what we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. Is What happens when there's conflict in the family? Are we dealing with that where God calls us to through confession of forgiveness? And finally, Ephesians 4, verse 32, please. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So again, a different way to think about it. Uh, Be kind to one another, forgiving one another as God through Christ has forgiven you. So I want to to, to, uh, build a a scene for you. Uh, How many of you here are parents or grandparents? Okay, But I think you're going to be able to relate to what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about conflict in the home. And the scenario is uh, that uh, I have a son who is 17. going to be played by Noah uh, today. And um, there's a rule in the house. He's learning to drive. But the rule is he can't drive uh, either of the two cars without his parents' permission. And uh, so his mother and I had been out for the evening. And uh, my Jeep is parked on the driveway. And when I come home, I notice it's been moved. I look a little bit further, and I see it's been damaged. And there's a broken tail light cover next to the retaining wall. And obviously, the car has been moved. I check the odometer. And I come in to greet my son. And uh, that's where this scene takes place. <coughs> Noah is uh, uh, doing one of his favorite things, playing video games, and I come in to greet him. Matt, what happened to my Jeep while your mother and I were out tonight? Nothing, not that I know of. Look, one of the tail lights is broken and uh, the rear bumper's been scratched. There's a broken taillight cover on the driveway next to the retaining wall. How did it happen? I don't know.
5: I haven't been driving
2: lately. Listen, your mom and I were gone all evening, and you are the only other person that could have been driving it. I told you not to drive our car unless you asked first. Stop playing that
5: stupid game and stand up and look at me. I didn't drive your lousy car, okay? You always blame me. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah? Well,
2: then explain this, Mr. Innocent. Before I got home from church, or uh, before I got home from work, when I, yeah. Before I got home from work tonight, I stopped at the, the gas station to fill it with gas. I changed the tripodometer to zero, like I always do, washed the Jeep, and there was no damage on it anywhere. I parked the Jeep on the driveway, we only live one mile away from the gas station, but when I got home tonight and saw the car had been moved, I checked, there's 47.8 miles on the odometer. <laughs> I didn't move the Jeep, the key was hanging next to the door, and you are the only other person home. My mirror's been changed, the seat's been pushed back, so quit your stupid lying and tell me how the Jeep got moved and damaged. I just ran out to do, go to the store and do some errands, that's all. I am sick and tired of your constant lying. You're still not talking to me about what happened to the jeep. And you took it without permission. Um, How many times do I have to tell you to stop your lying, mister? You always do that. Take someone's property without knowing, uh, without their knowledge or
5: permission, damage it, and then uh, act like nothing happened. Look, I didn't hit anything. I'm always careful. You always accuse me without even giving me a chance to explain anything. Living with you is worse than Boot camp. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and my mom always treat me like a baby. I'm 17, now your little kid, you know. All my friends have their own cars. Oh, yeah. They can come and go whenever they want. Uh, but not me. I live in this prison, you know. Oh, where are you yeah. going? What time are you coming home? <laughs> <laughs> by 10! What is it? You guys always. Like?
2: Watch your tone, Buster. You're in serious trouble. You still aren't telling me where you were or what you're doing, and you're going to pay for the damage to that Jeep. You're grounded for three months. No more
5: dates, no more parties. You go to school, to work, to church, and that's it. Yeah, right, whatever. Might as well be in a prison. You always overreact. I'm going to my room. Fine, but no computer
2: games, no video games, no cell phone. You're grounded. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so don't you think that went well? <laughs> As a Christian father, did I do anything wrong?
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> no. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Listen, he, yes.
4: I noticed both of you said, you always. That's that's a um, terrible thing people. to say. Yes. Because it's not true in the first place. You're right. And it's, the, it's very...
3: Uh,
2: it. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's an exaggeration, yeah. well, sure which, sure which you're is you're a sin called. against which commandment? Eighth commandment, thank you, very good. But but, in my defense, didn't he break the fourth commandment? And what's the fourth commandment? Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't he break that? Do I not have a right to correct my son? Oh,
3: yeah. Okay,
2: so why do you think some of what I did wasn't right? The tone. The tone? What about the tone?
5: Confrontation.
2: Okay, it was confrontational. Demi- Anger. Anger? Demeaning. Demeaning? Demi- yeah. You always do that. Yeah, you always do that. Yes, you were both acting, but somehow it seemed like you had a little experience with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why I asked a local teenager to play the part. <laughs> and yes, I do have experience <laughs> And when this happened in my home, after my son and I had been yelling for a while I sat down and uh, we, were, we were both spent in a fight and I thought to myself now as a Christian father how should you have handled it and the first thought that came to my mind was he broke the fourth commandment you're his father you need to discipline him. Mm-hmm. but it wasn't right in my gut for all the reasons that you said you see God calls us to discipline our children how? In love. in love. And what you witnessed here did not demonstrate love. It demonstrated punishment. demonstrated anger. Uh, and disrespect. Yeah. I want him to respect me, but what am I showing him? And what am I teaching by the way that I'm handling it? And so that that causes us to, to re Now very often when this happens in the family, then what do we do after a fight like? Salt.
6: Salt? <laughs> Go to our corners. Go to our corners. Yeah.
2: We pretend it didn't happen. But it did. And our God calls us to respond in another way. Think about the passages we were looking at. James 5.16. What is it calling us to? <coughs> to? Confess to each other. To confess to each other. And pray for one another that you may be healed. First uh, 1 John 1, 1.9. If we confess our sins, what can we expect? Forgiveness.
3: Faithful just. Forgiveness,
2: yes. Our God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's, it's, it's an opportunity when you do have a fight in the home, whether it's between spouses, between parents <coughs> and children, among uh, siblings, um, w- whatever it is, we have the privilege and opportunity sharing Christ's forgiveness with one another. If you look in your handout uh, at the very bottom of the page and, and on the top of the next page are what we call guidelines for confession. Because sometimes, especially in close relationships like in family, I might come up to my son and say, well, I'm sorry I yelled at you, but I wouldn't have done it if...
3: What am I doing now? (laughs) Justifying.
2: Justifying. -justifying. Justifying. It's called self justification, right? So, to help prevent slipping off the track, here's some things to think about. First of all, when we go uh, to confess, we come as a beggar. I I really like uh, the the gospel lesson for today on the prodigal son. And to demonstrate he was coming as a beggar. What was the attitude of a younger son when he came back to his father? Humility. Humility. And how was he demonstrating that? Taking, Taking a lesser place. place. Taking a lesser place. He came with the idea that he didn't deserve to be a son anymore. He came as a beggar. He didn't know for sure what his father would do, but as the pastor reminded us, he knew his father well. But he came as a beggar with nothing to offer and only to seek mercy. Next is to own your sin. That's not to use words like if, but, or maybe and try to justify it and you know, uh, uh, slip it away, but to, to say, I was wrong. Uh, will you forgive me? The next one is um, to identify your sins according to God's word. Um, you can either identify them according to the commandments or according to what God has said, or, uh, Next, express sorrow for the hurt your sin has caused. Commit to change behavior with God's help in the future. Be willing to bear the consequences because even with forgiveness, we'll talk about this in a minute, there may be consequences. Not ask for forgiveness. Again, you don't have the right to demand it because you come as a faith. Forgiveness is a gift. It's not something you can earn or deserve. And then finally, trust in Christ's forgiveness because the other person may not forgive. But you can trust knowing that God has forgiven you through Christ why can you trust that God doesn't lie God doesn't lie, he said, so. God doesn't lie. He said, so.
6: said so where 1 John
2: yes in his, word. in his word Jesus loves me this I know for the uh, for the bible tells me so yes that's how we know that we can trust in Christ's forgiveness. So we can go confessing, even if we question whether the person will forgive us or not. Because we know that God, through Christ, already has. Well, my son has been sulking in his room. I've been sulking in my room. And now I'm ready to approach him and try a different way. So we're going to go to scene two. And in this scene... Oh, yes, my causing disruption. No wonder in the worship service who's yelling at the hall, right? (laughs) 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 That's too late. I already did the yelling scene. That is (laughs) a (laughs) good scene. You have a second uh, handout. It's this form called Proclaiming God's Forgiveness. You're going to see us use this form, and uh, we might do something that's very unusual to you in terms of family, but it should not be unusual to you in terms of worship. So I want you to think about what you recognize from this form and what is new and different about it. Mm -hmm. Hey, Matt, can I come in? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Listen, son, I'm sorry I lost my temper and yelled at you. I got upset about your disobeying our rules, taking the car without our knowledge. Mostly I'm hurt because you lied to us and tried to cover up what you did. Now, we do need to talk about what really happened. But first, I need to apologize to you for yelling at you, for calling you names, for losing my cool. God has given me a responsibility to raise you up as a child of God disciplining me when necessary, but he calls me to do that in a loving way. Tonight I didn't handle this well.
5: I sinned against God and I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Sure, Dad, I forgive you. But you have a right to be a met. you have a right to be mad at me. I took the Jeep and ran around tonight when I knew what the rules were. But Jake called me, he broke up with his girlfriend tonight he was upset, just needed a friend. We just drove around for a while so he could talk. I really don't know what happened to the tailgate. I must have bumped it in the wall when I was backing up. But I didn't realize it.
2: Matt, in order for us to have a trusting relationship, and in order for your mom and me to treat you like a young adult instead of a little kid, you, you need to be honest about your feelings. You know that we love you and want what's best, but most of all you know that God loves you and forgives you for Jesus' sake.
5: Yeah.
2: You know, as your father, I have a responsibility to share God's love and forgiveness with you. And last week I got a copy of a form called Proclaiming God's Forgiveness. In this form, we each have a chance to confess our sins to each other as well as to God. And then we can announce God's forgiveness to each other and also offer our personal forgiveness. Uh, would you like to try this as a different way of dealing with this tonight? I guess. So here's the form. (coughs) So if you'll open it up to the third page. This is where we confess our sins to God and to one another, in the bold print. The other person reads the plain print. And then after the confession, we turn it over. And this is where we proclaim forgiveness to one another. I'll give you some time if you want to think about what you want to
3: say.
5: Actually, Dad, I've been thinking about it already. I think I know what I need to do. I'm ready now. Okay. Well,
2: let's try it. If it's okay with you, I'd like to begin by confessing my sins first. Sure, Dad. So you begin
5: on uh, this part right here with this paragraph right there. Since Adam and Eve sinned, all people have been born to sin. We sin against God by disobeying his commandments. We also sin against others around us. Nevertheless, God promises in the Bible to forgive us when we confess our sins, because Jesus died for all of our sins. Thus, you are invited to confess your sins so that you can hear God's forgiveness proclaimed to you. Heavenly my Father, I know that you created me and love me.
2: You have taught me in the Bible how to live as your child, but I was born a sinner. I've sinned against you and others around me by what I've done and by what I haven't done. I deserve your wrath and eternal punishment. Sorry for my sin, known and unknown. Especially sorry for how I came to Matt tonight. Matt, I started jumping all over you and putting you on the defense. I yelled at you and called you names. I didn't show you love, but anger. I definitely didn't come to restore you, but to punish you. Have mercy on me. Please forgive me for Jesus' sake. Help me to live in the way that you teach you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matt, I've also sinned against you and asked for your forgiveness too.
5: God loves you. He promises to be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Do you believe that God's promises of forgiveness given in the Bible are written for all God's children, including you? I do. Then hear and believe what God's word promises to you. In John 1.9, God promises, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness therefore dad believe this good news for Jesus' sake God forgives you all of your sins Amen. as God through Christ has forgiven both you and me I forgive you our sins against me Amen. the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus amen thanks man Wow, that's, that's really cool.
2: Sure is a different way to deal with it, isn't it? Now, if you're ready, you can go back uh, to the previous page and you can confess your sins. And you notice that in the one part it says, I'm especially sorry for you. You can insert whatever you want in there.
5: Okay. Heavenly Father, I know you created me and love me. You have taught me in the Bible how to live as your child. But I was born a sinner, and I have sinned against you and others around me by what I have done and by what I haven't done. I deserve your wrath and eternal punishment. I am sorry for my sin, known and unknown. I'm especially sorry for, well, that I took your car without your permission. I wasn't as careful as I should have been, and I damaged the car. I lied to you when you asked me about it and didn't talk to you with respect either. Have mercy on me. Please forgive me for Jesus' sake. Help me to live in the way that you teach me. In Jesus' name, amen. I also sinned against you, Dad, and I ask you for forgiveness too.
2: God loves you. He promises to be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Do you believe that God's promises of Forgiveness given in the Bible are written for all <coughs> God's children, including you. I give. Then hear and believe what God's word promises you. First Peter 2, 24, God assures. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Therefore, Matt, believe this good news. For Jesus' sake, God forgives you with all your sins. Amen. Okay. God through Christ has forgiven both you and me. I also forgive you your sins against me. Amen. Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Matt, in forgiveness, God takes away all our sin and we're restored in relationship to him and one another. Tomorrow, after we've had time to rest, we'll talk about what needs to be done to fix the car. But for tonight, let's just rest in forgiveness. I love you, son.
3: Love that. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was familiar about what you saw? This last episode? Yeah. Nothing. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> What's familiar from our worship service? Our absolution. What? Profession yeah. yeah. and absolution. Right. But your comment is interesting because it's what we practice on Sunday in worship. Mm-hmm. But it's not what we practice in a home, is it? Question is, why not? My son, uh, Song, and I have one son, David. I have permission to share this story with you as long as I don't disclose the specific sin that my son committed. But he's, he was a very compliant kid growing up. And really, you know, he got into trouble now and then, but nothing serious until he was in high school, junior high school. And um, my wife and I had found something that he had done wrong. I confronted him with it. And he denied it. I had come home from work. I was tired. I was not in the mood for his denial. And I started to raise my voice. And he raised his voice against me. He had not done that before. We got into this terrible fight. It was so bad that my wife just was in tears. And I couldn't believe it was happening. But you know, in, in, in the moment, anger takes over. And it just escalates out of control. And finally, I was sitting down. Uh, we both sat down. We were both tired of yelling. And I thought, now, as a Christian dad, how should I handle this? And I told you about my, my justification. But then I thought, what should a dad do? And I remembered when I was in confirmation, my pastor saying to us kids, when you become parents, you need to absolve your children. But I had never seen that done. And um, it had never been demonstrated. I had not been taught how to do it. But I had been taught how to do it in worship. So I, we had hymnals at home. And so I said to my wife my son, let's do this a different way. And I took the hymnal. And I opened to the, the uh, individual confession form. And there, uh, led my family through that. Now, I told my son, I'm not your pastor, so I can't use the same words a pastor uses. But I knew that I could use what Scripture says. That I could assure him that God has forgiven him because of the promises of Holy Scripture. And we use Scripture with one another. Um, And when we were done, we prayed Psalm 51 together. That's the psalm David wrote after Nathan confronted him about his affair with Bathsheba and the murder of uh, Bathsheba's husband, husband, Uriah. And uh, um, we prayed that song together. And we were healed that night. We just hugged in a family hug and cried with one another. It was a very tender moment. And um, it was over. Well... The next year, my son was a senior in high school, and another incident came up. Funny how when you have these teenagers, these things kind of happen every so often. (laughs) And I had evidence again, and I went to my son, uh, and I showed him the evidence, and he denied it. God gave me the grace to keep my big mouth shut. I just waited, and then he said, Yeah, I did it. But you don't have to tell Mom, do you? <laughs> I said, no, David, that's your privilege.
3: <laughs>
2: I said, your mother and I will be waiting downstairs. When you're ready, you come and talk to us. It took him a long time to get the courage to come downstairs. When he did, he told us what happened. His mother cried softly because it was very hurtful. For what he had done. <clears throat> and we talked about it for a minute. And then I said to him, <clears throat> I said, uh, you know, you're becoming a young adult. Soon he'll be leaving our home. How do you want to deal with this? <clears throat> my son said to me, Dad, can we go through that form for confession mm-hmm. and forgiveness? And I began to cry mm-hmm. as I realized that my son yearned to hear that good news, that for Jesus' sake his sins were forgiven, and that as his dad, I forgave him also. And we did it again. A couple months later, my wife was cleaning house, and my son has never been the neatest kid in the world. Mm -hmm. He had stuff scattered around the house, and she was picking stuff up. She came across a paper he had written for school. We didn't know he had written this paper. The title of the paper is, Someone I Admire Most of All. He said, I admire my parents most of all. And one of the things he said in that paper is, because I know that no matter what I say or do, They will always love me and forgive me. Mm -hmm. My friends, the most precious gift you can give to a family member is forgiveness. And there's two gifts of forgiveness. The first is to proclaim God's forgiveness. I have good news for you. Christ died for this. You are forgiven. Christ himself bore your sins in his body on the tree, that you might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And because Christ has already worked out your forgiveness and forgiven me, I also forgive you. Any comments or questions you have?
6: Yes. I don't want to get off the topic of this reconciliation because that's, I think, important. But I think in real situations, and you've given examples where the evidence was incontrovertible. It's clear what's happened here. That In real life, we need to be very delicate, circumspect, diligent, and careful about the evidence. When you're angry, one of the things you do is suddenly... This is absolute proof that you did da da da. In real life, it could be maybe not. I could see with the card you moved, other explanations. I'm already being a scientist here, but so before we get to this part, sometimes you need to go into evidence and finding out in the archaeology and how did we get here and what really he did what, and that's very messy. Also, not part of this, but. Need to bear that in mind that what appears to be the evidence here might not really indicate what happened.
2: So let's look at Galatians 6 verse 1 and see what it says about that. I appreciate your comment. We're gonna want to see what, what does the scripture say about that? Galatians 6 verse 1. Someone happened. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch
6: on yourself, lest you too be tempted.
2: Okay, so what is the scripture instructing us there? What's the first phrase it says? Brothers, you who are spiritual. So, this gets back to your point that we need to to use discretion and uh, before we make assumptions we need to be spiritual about the way that we approach it, right? Now, those who are spiritual need to address, we need to confront sin, but we need to do it how? With, With gentleness, right? And so when we do have evidence or proof, we need to come in in an asking way, because our assumptions might be all wrong. Um, and then what's, what's the warning at the end of that verse?
3: Please to be tempted.
2: Watch yourself, please you also be tempted. And so that's exactly what that scripture means. That's a great example of that. And I, I do appreciate that. That doesn't get us off track at all. It's, it's right on the mark that when we're talking to one another about the way that we've sinned, or that we think that we've sinned against one another, we need to come with gentleness. Because our assumptions may be wrong. And when our assumptions are wrong, we commit a suicide. Right? And that doesn't help anyone. Thank you.
4: Other comments or questions? Yes. In both the examples you gave, um, you as a father were were tired. You came home from work. You were tired. It was nighttime, and you've been out, and you. And I think that sometimes maybe we have to just say we're going to need to talk about this. Or, we're going to do it tomorrow when I'm not, when I can think about it more calmly. Um, I just think recognizing your own state of mind is
2: important. Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, Finding the time and place to deal with something like this is very important. And what happens very easily is, uh, again, our our emotions rise, and, and we just launch right into it. Whereas if we took more time, we could be more godly in our approach, more spiritual. Take time to think. And, and to do it in, in a more purposeful way rather than in just a haphazard way. Very uh, good. Other comments or questions about what you saw? Well, it seems to me there's a lot of wisdom in there. I remember my mother, who was not prone to going to church with her father either, they were pretty diligent about making sure I went. <laughs> but um, she one time shared that she always makes sure that they don't
3: go to bed mad. That they somehow do some reconciliation before going to sleep. And,
2: uh, and she said that she thinks that that really helped uh, keep the marriage together. Well. Absolutely it does. And that's that wisdom of Ephesians 4 that we looked at it earlier. Do not let the sun set on your anger unless you give the devil a foothold or an opportunity. Uh, and uh, because... Going to bed angry uh, can do great damage to a relationship. And marriage, of course, is a very close relationship, uh, and that needs to be addressed. Yeah. There was a hand back here. <coughs> I
6: thought it was interesting when there was full disclosure at the end, and I realize this is difficult with a 17-year-old, but. There was a little bit of idolatry over the car with the father that I don't think he ever confessed to. You're right, and I don't know how you would handle that with a 17-year-old.
2: You're right. Um, there, there, there is the, the vision of the idolatry. Um, what was the evidence for you that it had become idolatry? Well, you were wearing out the trip odometer and keeping
3: track of how many miles.
2: Yeah, um, there, there are several How could I have ever done, done that? And washing, <laughs> the
3: card, <laughs> and washing the car Washing the car and inspect it all over Yeah, yeah It's
2: my baby, isn't it? Ah, yeah, that's nice. my it's so yeah, that's that's very perceptive of you If you look at um, If you take a look at this form here Open it to the center panel You'll see uh, the development of an idol record. And um, uh, the first one is you take a peer, desire, or trust and a desire is not necessarily wrong until you progress and you make it a demand. See that? When, when you demand something to fulfill your desire, or, or demand something because of your fear or something that you're trusting, you're now crossing the line. And watch what happens. It goes from demand to unmet expectations. And you saw that in the skit, I had unmet expectations. It, quickly developed into frustrations, aka, anger. And then I judged my son. And I was there to punish him. I wasn't there to restore him. But look at what the ultimate result is of idolatry. If left unchecked, it results in destruction or death of the idol or the person worshiping the idol. So the devil wants you to believe that this idol will promise you security, happiness, uh, safety. Uh, but that's the devil's lie, because it takes our vision off of whom? Christ. Off of Christ. And that's what an idol does. And so many of the blessings that God gives us uh, are potential idols. When we but if you look down at the, the, the body <coughs> one, repentance is the cure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the prodigal son, as we heard today, uh, when he came to his senses, that means a complete turning around. That's that's a definition of repentance. It's a turning around and going the other direction. And so that's what our God calls us to do, is repent. And then he's there to welcome us back home. So yeah, very insightful uh, up here. Um, I was going to say, I wasn't
0: raised by godly parents, so I didn't have a good role model. And I can't say I was, a, I was the best parent. I wouldn't have won any awards. But something I learned, I took a parenting class, and something that always stuck in my head was to separate the deed from the doer. And to let the no, doer, go. even though I may have handled it very badly, I loved he, him or her with all my heart, and that would
3: never change her in her, anything. Mainly him.
2: Are are you familiar with the cartoon Calvin and Hobbes? One of my favorite scenes from that is the dad has just come home from work and he's getting out of his car Calvin is standing in the front yard with his silly grin, holding a sign saying, hate the sin, and love the sin. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Uh, to separate those. And, and that definitely is how our God treats us. And so it is wonderful because it helps us love through those painful times when things get out of control. So I want to move on uh, in our discussion guide here. Um, did the father's confession diminish my authority or enhance it? Why?
6: You're not lying you're not lying to yourself or to your son. You're letting him know boldly that you are not perfect and that you are and it improves your credibility. And also it might make him it most certainly would make your child feels more comfortable confessing to you yeah. because they recognize yeah. you
2: understand their walk also. And you know where they're coming from. Let's look at James three, verse one, and tell me how that applies to this situation. Mm-hmm. Somebody would read that. Yeah. James 3, verse 4. How many of you should become teachers, my brothers?
6: For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. How does that apply to talking about? So basically what it says, you judge someone, therefore you're going to be judged more severe because you've taken on a role that's
2: not yours. Okay.
4: Parents
2: are the ultimate teachers for their children. That's right. <clears throat> Parents are teachers. And the most powerful way we teach is how? Example. 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 And that's what you're saying, is that <laughs> when we need by example uh, to, to be honest about our failings to our children, uh, that teaches them
3: something.
2: Reverse is true as well. <clears throat> when we deny we've done anything wrong, what are we teaching our children? to lie to To deny their own sin and not to trust in the forgiveness of Christ yes you you gave a great gift to your son by acknowledging the fact that you handled it poorly and you shouldn't have approached it that way and uh, so he learned a lot there that will carry on in his life
0: that's
3: right
2: yes
0: and there was a verse that came to me, or I learned at a young age with my children as well. Uh, Philippians 4:9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And I remember writing in my Bible as a new Christian, "Example: Parents are examples." And. Again, I wouldn't get parent of the year award, but I did try.
2: The reason none of us get the parent of the year award is because we're all sinners. (laughs) But the, the, the privilege we have, and this came up in the epistle lesson for today, in the ministry of reconciliation, that we are new creations. And that's what forgiveness does. And so we can demonstrate that even in our failings by confessing to one another. Yes.
6: There's a trap there of, uh, I have authority because I'm perfect. I am your husband because I'm perfect. We like to that's comfortable and it's a lie. There's this I, It's because I'm perfect and when you confess, I'm still your dad and I still decide what to do with the car, even though I have flaws, I face them, I try to repent, but my authority does not come from my perfection.
2: That's exactly right. Where does our authority come from? From God. From God. That's right. And we acknowledge God when we confess and proclaim God's forgiveness to one another. See? So, but if you think about it, this is not our world's way. Uh, we, especially in, in, in Western culture, uh, um, are, are, are conditioned that as a leader, you never admit weakness or fault. You always lead by your strengths. Um, But that's contrary to what the scriptures teach. Paul says, In my weakness, who is glorified? Christ Christ is glorified. Right. Um, How can using a form like this uh, be beneficial?
0: What? you forget
3: in case you forget <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right how else
6: okay. it Gives structure for the dialogue you know it might be some comfort like you have a handrail to
2: hold on to it you're going downstairs. you're right it gives structure especially in a time of passion right how else might this be helpful
1: it makes it you're on the same playing field you may have the entire thing memorized but the other person does not and It's not a, I have
2: this over you, it's a, we're doing this together. Yeah, very much so. It puts you on the same (laughs) plane. field. Yes, I think it forces your repentance to be authentic. How
6: does it do that? Because it takes you through all these steps and it doesn't leave
2: any room for you to make excuses or or, uh, justify. It prevents you from undermining your own confession.
4: I can't back out. Yeah. (laughs)
2: How else might this form be helpful?
4: It gives you a peace at the end.
2: Why does it give you peace at the end? Because you know you are loved and you love each other. And it's- That's right. And why do you know you are loved? Because God loves us. And why do you know God loves us by using this form? because he sets on his word it's the scripture that's so powerful in here. see the scripture of proclaiming God's forgiveness is what changes lives and that's what a form like this does is in, in a time of, of extreme passion emotions are high uh, uh, your your heart is racing uh, no matter which end of the, the spectrum you're on in terms of the conflict uh, it, it gives you structure. It prevents you from saying something you shouldn't say, um, but it gives you God's word to say to one another, and that's where the peace and and love come in. And the other thing that happens, uh, we use this form in, in complex mediation cases. When someone confesses and the other person's still angry, they may not be ready to personally forgive, but we can say, would you be willing to share with this person what God said he has done for them, that Christ has died for them? I've never had anybody refuse to do that. And you have them read one of the scripture passages. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his wounds you will been healed. And when they say that, what do you think that does to their unforgiveness? It melts it because if I've already proclaimed that God has forgiven you because that's what his word says then my desire to not forgive you melts away Now, for some people that takes time because the hurt may be deep but that's the power of God's word and so um, those are some benefits of it what might be a disadvantage you do before it becomes rote yeah, that, that yeah. could be a disadvantage. It's sort of like the Lord's Prayer. We shouldn't pray it anymore, right? Because it becomes rote. Yeah. Do you agree with that? No. No. <laughs> no. But it is something we have to be careful of, that we just do it uh, as a thing to do, like mechanically. Yeah, yeah. Right. But what, yes? I'm just curious, what do you do in a case where the person's not Christian at all?
3: Yeah,
2: that's my question. That's a great question. What do you do in the case where the person's not Christian? Well, you go to the store, you buy a gun, and no, that isn't it. Yeah, there's a reason they call a gun a peacemaker, right? You cannot expect a non-believer to do what a believer ought to do. That doesn't mean that you as a believer can't do what God calls you to do. And this is a very important question. So what, what can you do if you're in conflict with an unbeliever? I guess you can just share your own experience. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. See if that resonates with us.
2: And more than that, you can confess your sin. You can forgive that person. See, you can confess, you can forgive, but you can't force someone to love you, can't force someone to confess to you, you can't force someone to forgive you, but you can do those things. Um, I'm looking at our time. Time is up at 10. 10, yes. um, There was a situation where um, a, a young couple wanted to have children in the worst way. And uh, they prayed for years that God would give them a child. And finally, after many years, the wife became pregnant. Their little girl was born, but she was sick. They had to leave her at the hospital. Doctors said, we'll give her medication. That will make her better. But the nurse that went to administer the medication grabbed the one medicine out of the cabinet, gave it to the child. and She died. And the nurse realized what happened. She reported it to the floor supervisor who let the hospital administrator know, who called the hospital's lawyer. The lawyer says, whatever you do, don't let that nurse talk to that couple. Mm -hmm. Well, this couple learned what had happened, and they went to the hospital to meet with that nurse. The hospital (coughs) administration put up a barrier. But they learned her home address, and that night they went to her home and knocked on the door. As soon as the nurse opened the door, she recognized the couple. She began to cry. Imagine the guilt this woman had. And um, she went, She said, I'm sorry, they won't let me talk to you. And she went to close the door, and the husband stepped and split the door. and says, please wait. We know that you can't talk to us. Won't you let us say something to you? How could she refuse it? She was responsible for the little girl's there. So she paused, and the mother began... For years, we prayed that God would give us a child, and we were so thankful when when she was born. We don't know why she had to die so young, and the the mother just broke into tears and couldn't talk anymore. The father continued, No, we don't know why our little girl had to die so young. We understand that you gave the wrong medication that contributed to her death. Last night, my wife and I were crying in each other's arms, trying to console one another. We thought about you. We know that you work in a nursery because you love babies. We don't think you wanted her harm little girl. We just came to tell you, we forgive you because God through Christ has forgiven us. This nurse wept and wept. She knew she did not deserve that gift. She knew no amount of settlement would ever bring back the life of that child. She knew there was nothing she could do to win favor with this couple. For that nurse, the gift for the couple who gave it was very costly. When this couple first approached her, that nurse was a non-believer. But she couldn't believe that they forgave her. And she kept asking, how can you do this? Why would you do this? And they kept sharing Jesus with her. And today, she's your sister in Christ. You'll spend eternity in heaven with that nurse. Why? because those people were faithful to do what they did, even though they were interacting with a non-believer. She never had the chance to, to admit what she had done was wrong. Of course, she knew it. But she received the gift of forgiveness. So when we're in conflict with unbelievers, God calls us to be gentle in our approach we're confronting them. To confess our sins to them knowing that we're forgiven in Christ, trusting in His forgiveness no matter how they respond and to forgive us God has forgiven us and that's how you serve as an ambassador of reconciliation, you're a witness to what Christ has done for you being faithful to what He's called you to do well there's some other things on the handout you can look at, and I'll leave that uh, for you to take with you um, this week, uh, we're here at your church. We have an all-day seminar on Friday. If you can if all join us, we still have room, I think. absolutely. Uh, we'd love to have you do that. Uh, and we'll be back there at Bible class next Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk about loving others, which is really a continuation of where we're just yeah. leaving off now. So, uh, But let's take a minute to, to close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings but especially for the gift of your son, Jesus. For while we were still sinners, you reconciled us to you through sacrificing your own son for us. Teach us, Lord, to confess to one another, especially to those in our family, and then to proclaim your forgiveness to one another as we reach out to forgive one another in love. Lord, as we think about different family members, both close and extended, we pray for all of those relationships that could use your healing and reconciliation. And we commend them all to you, Lord, trusting in your mercy. For we know that you love us and forgive us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said.
0: Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.